0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Coming Back to Life, the podcast that opens you up to growth and healing that will help you live the life that you desire and deserve the most while loving yourself in the process. I'm your host, Debbie O'Keefe. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. And I want to thank you for sharing the gifts of your energy and your time with me for this experience. Hello and welcome everyone to another incredible interview episode on Coming Back to Life. It is such an honor and a privilege to have our guest with us here today and I hope that you have all been having a fantastic week and we're excited to have you with us. And today joining us is Stephanie Scalise and I have been so blessed and gifted to have this individual brought to me um and as i have expressed on this podcast and in you know workings and conversations we never know what opportunities and what situations are going to bring certain people into our lives and when we are meant to meet them and the purpose that that serves and stephanie has such an incredible experience and so many gifts in this experience to be sharing. And the synchronicities are unbelievable. So as I uh, met Stephanie, I come to find out that we have so much in common um, in the sense that we are both wives, we are mothers. We are also former special education teachers that uh, we held same previous bachelor degrees, lots of similar experiences in terms of theaters and the arts we are connected by soul and spirit and this is really encapsulating what coming back to life was truly meant to be and it's this connection point for us to all come together in our experiences and return to this way of life that is truly nurturing and fulfilling and i have to say that having the privilege to meet with stephanie has already and very quickly left an imprint on my heart and my life, and this is something that I'm excited to bring to all of you today. So Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for having me. So Stephanie, um, I gave a brief introduction of uh, some of your background and your experience, but you have so much more (laughs) to share. So um, if you don't mind, could you give us a little bit uh, of background information just about yourself, you know, personally, where it is that you come from and what brings you here to us today.
1: Uh, yes, thank you. Um, well, I, as you said, I did not start as in special education. I started in fine arts. And the last semester of my senior year, I taught a Down syndrome acting class. And I'm like, wow, I'm in the wrong field. And went back and got my master's degree in special education shortly after, kind of started my life anew in a new city, getting married, getting my master's degree, um, and starting my life of giving back to people. And that's really what my entire adult life has been. Special education, although I don't have a counseling degree, I spend a lot of time talking and counseling my parents of, oh, this school would be good for your child, this school might not be good. However, it ends, in the conversation, a lot of times my kids, um, I do one on one now. I'm not in the classroom any longer. And my kids will be like, Miss Stephanie, this happened yesterday. How should I handle it? Or I don't really want to tell my mom and dad this happened. Can you give me adult advice that my parents aren't going to be looking over my shoulder for the next, you know, six weeks to see how it ends up? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been somebody who gives so much of me to others. Um In my job in my role as a wife as a mother, um, and it just kind of is who I am.
0: Stephanie I, um, I have to, you know, piggyback on what it is that you're saying, and I believe so many teachers connect but as a special education teacher, you know, one things that I that I shared that I can totally connect is I. Majority of the impact that we make as special education teachers happens so much outside of the curriculum. It really happens in life with connection with the families. Um, you know, going on eight years out of the classroom, I'm still emailing with parents and families. I've had, I've had, you know, families come to my wedding. I've had, you know, like all these different connections, and this true innate knowing. And speaking to really the core and the heart of this is you had always known and how these many different paths took you in a place of, I know I want to help. I know I want to do things to make a greater contribution. I know there's something more. I know there's something more. And it's that whispering and that calling inside you that's like, yeah, this is great, but not quite. Yeah, this is feeling good, but there's more. And I could do this and I can do that. And I want to speak on what it was that you said um, in terms of I have always been someone to give all of it, all of myself. And this commonality for, you know, as women, we are natural nurturers, caregivers, and whether that mean that you're maternal or, or not, it's, it's in our makeup to, to do that. And I'd like you to expand a little bit more in terms of like what what that life looked like for you in terms of balancing this way of giving all over the place and how it is that that pretty much played a role in everything it is that we are here today.
1: Um, Yeah, one thing comes to mind immediately when you said that, I had a girlfriend who, um, a co-teacher who went through breast cancer before me. And it was like a bombshell just hit me. And all I could think about is, how can we keep these little kindergartners in our class with continuity and not changing their lives because her life was uprooted? Mm. So I typically, you know, I would take my kids to school in the morning. I would co-teach in the classroom for an hour or two. I would do my paperwork and then I would see clients one-on-one in the afternoon. And this was in a school setting. Well, I to console and help my friend. I took over the classroom. Mm -hmm. She wasn't up to being there in the morning. So I got in first thing in the morning. I taught classes if she was sitting next to me and we did that for the entire time. She was going through her treatments and the kids didn't even know what was going on. They're like, oh, she comes in the afternoon. Now you guys change schedules. All is great. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize until towards the end of the year when she came back and I was renewing my contract and they're like, "Um, well, we're we're ending the program of your Mm co-teaching. And I'm like, we just showed you the perfect example Mm -hmm. of what co-teaching and caring environment and the kids first mentality is. And you're telling me this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was actually when I walked away from the school systems and went into private practice when I realized that the politics of the schools stopped me from what I needed to be doing for these kids.
0: Stephanie, you, (laughs) you have just literally hit the nail on the head on so many levels. And I want to speak on this point because the message and every part of what you're speaking about. And, and, and again, I cannot begin to express, pay attention to the signs and signals that direct you. Because despite how many experiences I have and what it is that I'm doing in my healing journey and experiences, I am never I I just don't cease to be amazed at how something else comes along and takes something I kind of already know and takes it to another level. And Stephanie, you just did this here that I knew I needed to leave special education and the education system for exactly the same reason. And what you are saying, and I have said so many educators, and first of all, can we just put a pause and a pin in this for a second to give our absolute deepest appreciation and full recognition to every educator absolutely (laughs) god bless our teachers you are amazing far beyond measure in anybody's understanding we have walked in your shoes and do not take for granted one second of what it is that you put through and what it is that you put your hearts into every day for our children and we truly appreciate each and every one of you And there is so much where there are so many brilliant and wonderful, gifted and loving educators who want to make such a difference. And I would have those experiences sometimes where I'd be in a meeting and I'd be advocating for a service for a kid. It was like, uh uh-huh, yeah, money, moving on. And it was like, it was not about what was best. But here's the thing. We're not here to get on a rant about the education system. But what I'm finding is the thread of continuity was this very experience that stephanie and i both experienced was literally the giant neon sign showing us there's a need and it's being ignored (laughs) but what we failed to realize in those experiences was the needs were ours (laughs) They were ours. And it was truly not to say that these needs of, of the students were, you know, were meant to be overlooked or that they weren't important. They were. But this is a everything that we experience is is meant for us. We're meant to understand these things. And that even when something is good and it would help, it's not being done or it's being said no to. And let's carry this over now to, you know, Stephanie, your experience and my experience to where there was a time for rest, but we were like, no, no, there's no time for that. There was a time for putting, you know, maybe saying no to something because we needed to do something for ourselves, but we were yes, you know, yesing all over the place and doing favors for other people and self-sacrificing and saying, I understand, Stephanie, that you have a need. No, no, I'm not about that. And your inner self is going, well, but I see this Stephanie first model and I can show you the, and you're going, no, (laughs) not interested in that. I'm doing something more important. And this is, I walk side by side and hand hand in hand with you on this experience and those shoulder taps and those signs and signals that you were being told it's time for for you to take care of you too. And a little bit of the, nah, I I, I can't do that right now. Um, <clears throat> And then it was, you know, here we are, we're looking at two situations. You're now speaking about a co-teacher that's three. I have a list of 15 at least of where we were all taken out, not by choosing. And it was illness that forced us to stop. Um, Now, Stephanie, I've shared in a space and time, you know, my own experiences. So if you could share with others how, you know, fast forwarding now in this realization, and then what it was that led up to your period of life up prior to your diagnosis. Well, once I
1: left the school, the the school systems, like you said, I jumped into 12 other roles. (laughs) The the fear of that constant paycheck, starting my own tutoring company. Will I make enough this month to pay the bills? Um, Luckily, I have a space, which, you know, I spend way too much time in that I can have students come and go. I used to drive around to them so that I wouldn't put their parents out. Mm. they didn't have to come to me and all of those pieces so I started giving to my children's school even more than I already did because now I had my time was mine it wasn't taken up with meetings and taken up with other things Mm. so I jumped right into my children's school and ran the school store and coordinated 30 volunteers and did all these different things and I was you know on my roll my kids were you know in um elementary and middle school at the time. And if the teacher needed something, okay, yeah, I got you covered. Or somebody didn't show up for their shift at the school store. Oh, I can stay and do it during the day. I just have to be out of here at three o'clock for my job. Mm. So I did a full-time job at the school. And then I did a full-time job into the evening tutoring my students one-on-one. And that took me all the way up until my diagnosis. You know, I, I, I went into the doctor that summer for my normal mammogram and he's like, well, something came up. Let's do a biopsy. He did the biopsy. I'm like, that didn't feel the same as the biopsy I did two years ago. I have breast cancer. And he said, no, no, let's wait for the results to come all of that. And that's where the second phase of my life kind of happened seven years ago Mm -hmm. where, um, I'm sitting at the softball fields, waiting to pick up my oldest daughter. My middle daughter is in the car with me and I get a call from the doctor and the doctor's like, Stephanie, I've got to you know tell you some, the results of your biopsy. I said, it's breast cancer, isn't it? He's like, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. And I said, I know my body. This was not my first experience with cancer. I had malignant melanoma that nobody believed me. Mm -hmm. And I had it removed when my daughter was three months old, my oldest. I knew it would, I've always watched to make sure it was there. And I always listened to my body and he was like dumbfounded. And that's where I shifted from taking care of everybody else. Okay. I only have a short window. This is what we're going to do. We're, we're taking care of this next month. I'm going to get my kids started the first week of school. Then I'm going in for surgery the second week. All the doctors are, you know, have to listen to me. I'm in charge of my care. Because so many times I had been overlooked as a hypochondriac or Mm -hmm. there's nothing really there. Oh, that looks normal. I'm like, go further, look into it. And every time they're shocked, the doctors are shocked with the response. Yeah. And I'm like, I told you we could have avoided three hours of testing. Just listen to me
2: right
1: um and so that's um kind of where my focus and my always giving ch- had to change a little bit
0: wow oh so <laughs> I'm never surprised. I mean, as as I've, I as I've been doing more and more of these interviews, it's you know, um, you know, to give everybody a little bit of background, it's a constant evolving process. And as I meet with each guest, we start with this idea of key points. But I start to let everyone know: be prepared for this to go where it's gonna go. And Stephanie, like you, just boom, like <laughs> it was, you know. And then there's this, and then there's that, and there's so much that we have hit on here, and. I'm going to tie these points together uh before we're going to take a break and then we're we're going to go into the second level of this this whole um part of this. But I really want to take a moment here. Um there's <laughs> three key things here as as you were talking about, one of them being you know another core point of of coming back to life and the work that that I And bringing out into the world is this idea that the answers are in us. No one knows you better than you. And I use this, this Metaphor right before we literally hit like the record button on this episode, I said, you know, all these little pieces of this episode are going to weave together. And we're just going to hold up this beautiful little quilt. And Stephanie just did it about like 15 minutes into the episode. <laughs> I already have a queen size Afghan ready to go for this. And tying and weaving these ideas of like, well, how do you know that? Because I know my body. And how did I know this because I heard the messages and how did I know this because I saw the signs because I knew this and this idea and I I do want to take a moment without getting into a whole side territory here, but briefly addressing. This commonality, because once again. As I expressed in um, The episode with um, where we we talked about overcoming addiction that while it is refreshing to know that our stories are or our experiences are not unique and it's not one person at the same time it's very heartbreaking and and disheartening to know that so many people are sharing in experiences that really are calling for a point in change and you know stephanie you're talking about how many times it's like you know i was just kind of dismissed as a hypochondriac or you know i wasn't believed and i wasn't being listened to and you know i shared this as well because i had just had a baby i was recovering from a c section so naturally everything was postpartum depression and i was hysterical and right away you know it's you have anxiety you need antidepressants you need therapy you need this you need that come to find out there was a parasitic infection in my system and then nine months later after not being believed it had latched on my nervous system and my immune system and took form in a much more intense way that had it been treated with a, a very high course antibiotic the doctor told me I could have knocked it out in a couple of weeks and it would have been done and over with but it was through dismissal and passing along and I do just want to take this moment to address that. I know Stephanie is no stranger to this experience in talking with other women. And unfortunately, I am here to say that my list of strangers and encounters and shared experiences of women accounting for the fact that they are dismissed by the medical community as hysterical hypochondriacs is reaching in the thousands. And this is something to pay attention to <laughs> this is something um, you know we we do express this that there's change there's change being called here in in how um, certain situations are are being handled and and the level of care being provided to be more proactive in situations but with that Stephanie also bringing forth the importance of being your own advocate and going, okay, if I'm going through this, I'm gonna follow my lead. And I'm going to do what I know feels right and best for me. And I am taking hold of this and playing an active role in my treatment process, my recovery process, and every part of this. That while we do look to those who are trained in any kind of field whether it's you know a lawyer a doctor a, a tax specialist right to remain an active participant because this is your life this is your body this is your well-being this is your future and that choice
2: that we have for any person
0: or any situation and the choice that we are faced with, do I hand over myself, my life, and any power that I have to this situation? Or do
2: I experience this as a part of it? And before,
0: before we, Take a break. I I'd like you to share a bit, Stephanie, on on that part of it, and for you because you spoke so powerfully of like, okay, the minute I knew that, I was like, okay, here's how this is gonna go, and there was such power and conviction in how you said that. You're like, all right, starting today, this is how my life is. This is the way I choose to live my life.
1: Absolutely. And the hardest part of that is I took charge that Mama Bear came out. I planned out everything for my six week recovery. I went into surgery. I was right. Doctors were wrong. I was stage three. They had to stop chemotherapy radiation that was not expected. Mm. um because I was forcing a double mastectomy and saying, "We're not going to do this in six years again." Mm-hmm. We're going to be you know, we are going to be as aggressive as we can. You're taking anything and everything that can be, can keep the cancer in my body. It's gone. Had I not been that forceful, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they wanted a lumpectomy and send me out the door. And I said, mm-hmm. no. Right. Um, that's where the hardest part of my life came in having to relinquish control to the unknown. All of a sudden, I didn't have control. I'm putting these foreign substances in my body. I'm having to not be able to go back to everything I planned after six weeks recovery. We're talking a year now. And for me, I'm like, no, no, I don't need help. Oh, I'll figure out how to drive my kids here. I'll do this. All of a sudden, I couldn't drive. I couldn't cook. I you know, was beholden to the medications and how I felt some days I didn't get out of bed and it was so humbling and emotional to have my communities and all my communities that I talked about earlier, the school and my work and all these different areas all came together. I had a meal train and food for nine and a half months straight. My kids finally looked at their, like, looked at me and like, mommy, can we cook something at home? (laughs) <laughs> you're cooking i don't i love that people are so generous but can you cook <laughs> um but let it finally saying okay finally not controlling that family calendar and putting my 15 year old on okay whose activities are here is grandpa driving is daddy driving is the neighbor driving what are we doing letting go of that control was Honestly, one of the hardest things, even harder than getting the breast breast cancer diagnosis. Because that was not who I was up until this point. I was in control. I was the giver. Now I had to accept the help.
0: Wow. (laughs) Stephanie, um, we're going to take a break and come back in a moment. And quite honestly, this couldn't be a a better time (laughs) to take a quick breather because you have just... Um, knocked me for a loop. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Stephanie. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Debbie O'Keefe here. And I hope you've been enjoying the episode so far. I'm here to share with you two new, incredibly exciting opportunities to work, learn and grow alongside me and to take the next step in your journey and to go even deeper. You can learn more on my website DeborahO'Keefe.com. The first is the Coming Back to Life membership where every week you will receive a unique intuitive download based on experiences in my own life and in the workings of others that reveal the guidance, the messages, and the insights that will take you along the way to make the changes and take action in your life to live as your best self. The second opportunity is the Rising Together Women's Community. This is a unique sisterhood, a tribe of belonging, where we all come together to create the support, the sense of belonging, and the endless uplifting inspiration that you need to maintain committed and to stay on track to make the changes and take action to live the life that you are meant for as everything you were created to be. Each of these opportunities are being made available on a sliding scale where you can pay at the level that is comfortable and right and best for you. No matter which level of contribution you choose, you will receive the same benefits. Because I never want anything to stand in the way of your desire to help yourself and live your best life. If you'd like to learn more, you can check me out at DebraO'Keefe.com or message me at info I look forward to being with you real soon and taking the next step in our journey together. Hi everybody, we are back with Stephanie Scalise. And before the break, uh, Stephanie was sharing some really uh, heart-shaking experiences and and her uh, gifts of awareness that she received through her experience with diagnosis of stage three breast cancer. And Stephanie, right before the break, you took this interview to a very incredible turn. And as we come back, I want to talk about what it is that you left us with before the break. And this is something really um, speaking into the hearts of so many women and, and really so many people in terms of what it is that lies beneath the surface. And, you know, I speak a great deal that in in healing and recovery, of my insights and coming into awareness of the emotional and energetic roots of disease and illness, and what it is that we genuinely don't even realize is going on behind the scenes in our cellular memories, in our energy, in our minds, and and everything there. And right before the break, you speak. Uh, you speak. You spoke about how dramatically your life turned on a dime and how after surgery you quickly pivoted from the person who was the yes all do all be all for everyone around you to where a community of people far beyond your imagination came together and loved on you and your family in a way that you almost weren't even prepared for. And you said something so powerful that it was a point in life and it was the hardest part of my life was relinquishing to everything out of my control and adjusting to receiving help and being cared for by others was harder for you than your diagnosis and recovering from breast cancer. And I'd really like to speak about that because that is a powerfully bold, eye-opening, mind-shattering, earth quaking statement that women especially it's like okay you know we make jokes about how women uh, i actually just saw like a facebook reel it was like my wife's sick she puts the thermometer in her mouth goes "Ah," and then makes the bed and then does the laundry and then does this and then does that right it's like okay i'm sick but i gotta do what i gotta do and how yeah, we find that way. It's like, okay, I'm going to push through. We're going to do this, and we're going to get through this because I got kids to take care of, and I got stuff to do, and and we got to keep going.
2: But how this idea
0: that what was harder for you than any physical ailment, any disease, any treatment, any side effects of a medication, any pain that you were experiencing from surgery, any life adjustments that you were making? Was this incredible uneasiness and discomfort around being cared for and helped by other people?
2: Yeah, it was I don't even know the term
1: for it at this point. Looking back on it, I still tear up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've always kept the calendar for all five of us, plus my dad, plus, you know, everything else going on. And to be like, okay, here's a blank calendar. I had a time frame. I thought I was done. Now it's totally unknown. Um, you know, I would get texts okay, I'm at the grocery store. What can I pick up for you? Do you need laundry detergent? Do you need, um, you know, snacks for the kids? Do you, what do you need? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm just so used to going to the grocery store myself and picking up, walking in the aisles and getting what I need. I just know it. I'm not used to writing it down. Unless of course I was mom going on a vacation for 24 hours and the three pages of lists I would leave for my husband to take care of the kids while I was gone. Our kids, not just mine. Um, but it, I had to shift and
2: I only recently um,
1: saw the impact that had on my kids when my youngest daughter published a book mm. called um, My Mommy Has Cancer But She's Still My Mommy
2: and i saw how an 11-year-old child viewed everything that was going on and that just brought back like
1: raw emotion that i couldn't put into words 7 years ago and now i can because my old my kids are older and able to explain it um But yeah, when I was in control and I knew what time my appointment was and what I was doing and where I was going, it was so much easier than being like, okay, am I going to be able to get out of bed and walk today? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I going to, I know food's on the table. Am I going to be able to sit down with the family and eat? Mm -hmm. Those were the pieces I didn't like. And that, that loss of control was so debilitating. I could deal with the pain. I've always dealt with pain,
2: right?
1: But the other parts of it were so much harder to put together.
0: Stephanie, first of all, I mean, this is something I I can never overlook when when we have someone as inherently generous as you are being right now and brave in terms of your vulnerability, your honesty to come out To share in your life at such a depth and such a detail um how much i know i speak for everyone in appreciation and gratitude for you to be here sharing these experiences the other part here is you know such admiration in in the hope and the beauty that you are creating in your home environment <clears throat> in terms of you know what it is that you're modeling and and an 11-year-old girl my mommy has cancer but she's still my mommy i mean i don't i don't think there's a dry eye in this <laughs> moment because this is what life is truly meant to be life and our our purpose in this we we get so caught up in thinking that how it is that we help and what it is that we're meant to do in this idea of redefining purpose and not realizing that your experience and what it is that you've modeled for your children was as painful as it was being, part of your purpose. In modeling to a future generation, what love and connection and support and how it is to experience something hard and to cry and that that's okay and the love of family and all of these things. And children have this beautiful way of Putting into expression what we sometimes forget or what we can't see ourselves. And Stephanie, you spoke before we got together on this episode of, of, you know, your children and their gifts in terms of artistic abilities and and what it is that you're modeling to bring them out into the world. And there is no question that, regardless of any path or direction, you are living that purpose in spades. And every part of your being, the energy behind what it is that you're saying, the work that you are doing now, can you safely say that had you not had this experience, it's kind of a loaded question. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's so much that you're sharing in terms of like things we take for granted. You know, how many... And, and this is, you know, making me think and remember that every time I'm going, Oh, I don't know what to make for dinner that I can you know, or I don't feel like making dinner, that I can physically get up and do that is a gift. And the things that we take for granted, or even if you're ordering out, the fact that you can physically get in the car to go pick up that food and be in a physical condition to eat it without getting sick. Or enjoying the flavors because your taste isn't being altered by a medical treatment, or medication side effects, and all these things that we we forget. Yeah, it was so eye
1: opening. In the course of time, when it was happening, I knew my 15 year old was the stand in mom. Um, my 13 year old at the time. I tripped on her going to the bathroom one night because she slept by my bed every night and I didn't know it. Um, My youngest, the artist, was in her art room doing her thing. If I didn't have to see mommy sick, I could deny that it was happening.
2: Mm.
1: And all of those pieces at the time I saw individually. Right. But as you stated, the impact we have on our children and the future generation when when my middle child, Lauren, was in the car with me when I got that call from the doctor, I did not realize how much that affected her until that fall. She had to write a paper in eighth grade about something that affected her the most. Mm-hmm. And she wrote about getting the phone call and then my treatments and my diagnosis and everything. And she didn't realize she had to read it in front of the class. And as she read it in front of the class, her classmates cried. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, my mom, my sister, my aunt, my grandmother, we've been affected by this. How did you deal with it? Mm. And then Lauren started to be the center. So she came home one day and said, mom, we have to give back. We have to do something. And that is how my children took all those experiences that they were living and what they were seeing of me and how I was reacting to it all and turned it into a nonprofit to give back to other people so that their moms and their sisters and their grandmothers could be helped. And I, you know, that's my proud mama moment out of all of this. Had I not had the diagnosis, I don't know if my daughters would be as close as they are. I don't know if my go- daughters would be as charitable and giving. I know they saw me and they had empathy for the students I worked with and they understood special education and they understood and were that those allies in school. But I didn't understand the level that they had witnessed and then turned around and advocated for others. And that desire within them to give back. Mm. And like I said, that's my that's my greatest mom joy is to see what they've created from what could have been the worst period of time in their lives.
2: Stephanie, I <clears throat> I can't help but think that.
0: As you said eight years prior, that as so many of us do, it's this idea like, okay, I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna go to college and I get married and I have kids and I'm gonna work this job and we're gonna get this house, and here's how we're gonna go. And, you know, we talked about how in education it's these models and these ideas, and always this thing where you're like, but but we showed you something that works and an institution being like, yeah, we're not interested in that because that's not our idea. That's not what we do. And how at some point in your life, your idea was how you were going to provide for a family was to work this career and have your pension and your benefits and do it the way everybody does. Never in a million years, Did you think that you were going to provide and give to your children in something so far impactful, life-changing, meaningful, reciprocating, world-changing, forming them as people, their character, their morals, their values, far outweighing anything beyond your imagination or your plans and there are so many things here in terms of what it is that's possible when we go outside of the model when we when we break out of what everybody what society and culture says, no, this is how you do it. No, that is how you do it. And when we are meant for something or those instruments of something greater, that path is gonna find us, whether we get dragged to it, kicking and screaming, (laughs) or if we find it ourselves. And the beauty of what you said, Stephanie, in the hardest part of my life being, when I had to relinquish control. And what I see and what I hear before me now is a woman who's like, yeah, that was the hardest thing at the time, but I, I, it's the only way I will ever live from now on. Like from now on, my hands are off the wheel and I'm just gonna lay back and see where this life is gonna take me because clearly, whatever plans were made for me were, were far greater than anything that I thought that I had. So how have these changes, um, you know, really impacted the way that you live your life? and And in terms of how you balance giving to others while giving to yourself and control, <laughs> like who is Stephanie now compared to Stephanie then? <laughs>
1: Well, the biggest thing is I say, no, Wait, oh, I, I finally oh, oh. learned that I can say no. And if it's not something good for me or my family, if it doesn't make me feel good, I am not obligated to do it just because I did it seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I have to pick up and do it again. And I realized at the time when I had to contact people and say, okay, I'm off the grid for a year. I was on seven boards. Of seven different nonprofits and school boards and different things. And I'm like, why? How is this benefiting me and my children and everybody at large if I'm so spread out and not focused on those things that are important to me? So I gave myself the um, permission, I guess is the best thing, to say no. And if it um, did not behoove me, I don't do it anymore. I got rid of the toxicity in my life, whether it was people, events, organizations, whatever it was, I'm like, just because I should, doesn't mean I have to. Just because society says, you know, you've got to be a part of this person's life because of their relationship to you. No, Mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah. You know, if you make me cry more than make me happy, I don't need you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is the most powerful thing that came out of all this is being true to me and making sure my mental health and my aura, I don't even know what you want to call it, my just being was positive. I like, you know, you you thanked me for sharing. I'm an open book. Like mm-hmm. when I got when I got sick, I let everybody know why I was miss, gonna be missing. Hey guys, I just got this diagnosis. I'm going through this. Oops, plans changed. Now I'm out for another, you know, six, eight months. Can you continue doing my role? Mm-hmm. I realized that I'm not the only one that could do it. Other people can do it. I can delegate. And that was another thing. I always thought oh. it was my way. Or was not being done correctly?
0: Oh, I got <laughs> we're gonna hit on that because I mean that oh, you're preaching to the choir there, you know, right? There's so much there. And and that's I always said when I get this, I, I call them and my husband giggles because he he sees now when I have them, because it's that oh, I have the, I call them frying pan moments. And that awareness, and we, we gotta speak about this, is you know, so much of that control. And we, we find in these places where it's like, well, if I don't do it, nobody else will. And if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And it's just easier if I do it myself because everybody else is going to screw it up anyway. And then I'm just going to have to redo it anyway. But it's not that we don't get help. It's not that no one's what we just have it in our heads that our way is the right way. And that way is the only way. And if it's not done our way. And the minute we are brave and vulnerable and willing enough to, number one, be aware of that, number two, admit it, number three, accept it, and not with that, you know, beating ourselves up about it, we can let go a little bit. And just like Stephanie, you know, you're sharing about your very life plan you could have been a burnt out educator pushing your way to that tail end of the pension that so many have going i can't stand this i hate it but i only got eight years left so i gotta stick it out right and and going through that grind and detached from our families and going through this thing but when we see that when we let go that maybe someone has a different way Maybe there's an easier way. Maybe they have skills or abilities that can take a task that would take us three days to do. They can get done in three hours. And that's a whole space of time that we could gain back in our life to do other things. And speaking so much, the power in, if we could just get out of our own way (laughs) long enough, to give some space to let to let things happen and that we're not meant to go through this life alone we're not meant to suffer through it and the magnitude and the power i mean stephanie you are you now in your life in receiving help and support and assistance and working collaboratively as a team with your children now you know you shared here, you know, approaching seventh yearly walk and educating so many in a process, not to mention the $61,500 donated in six years through stridesforsurvivors.org showcases. Like, it's just the awards and publications. Like, wow. And this is something that not only are you Impacting and contributing far beyond measure, but it's something that has brought you and your children and your family together to walk hand in hand and side by side in living this life as the greatest versions of everything you can be and showing up fully in a way that's making a difference to others. And I can't think of a better definition of a coming back to life experience than what it is that you're bringing here today. And I mean, just to to sum up here, the the many different points and awareness of this experience, everything from your awareness of your own body and your needs, being your self advocate, you know. Knowing that when you're feeling called to something greater and you see that there's something more to be doing, knowing when to walk away, even when it's hard and everything that's on the other side is completely scary and uncertain, you took that risk and you took that leap of faith. Recognizing the hardest parts and that awareness in how difficult it can be to even know what it is that you want or that you need to live a life so disconnected from yourself that when that outreach comes to you, you don't even know how to ask for help or what you want or what you need because you've been so far removed. Removed from the purpose of why you've been doing things because you were spread into so many places. You forgot why you decided to help those things in the first place. Wearing so many hats and so many masks that when you look in that mirror you don't see yourself anymore. And this opportunity that life presented you and your children to find your place, to find your purpose and to live in a way that truly feels
2: good and right for you.
0: And Stephanie, as we we bring this to a close, I'd like to invite and, and ask for one final thing you would really like everyone who is listening to this to take away from this experience about the true meaning of, of life as you know it and what it is that you would say to raise awareness and open the minds and hearts and spirits of people.
1: Um, I've kind of been thinking about this all along. And as you said, when we talked before, it's going to change as we have our conversation. And a couple of the key points that just stick out to me is one, the power to say no, mm-hmm. to be true to you. Even if you don't know what that you is, if it doesn't feel good to you, you don't have to do it. Just because you said yes this year doesn't mean you have to say yes next year. You can step down. People can do it and it'll life will go on. Um, and the other pieces really take time for you. Like it took breast cancer and all the treatments and everything I went through for me to schedule an hour a day for myself to work out and, you know, schedule time in the evening to read a book, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, just giving myself permission to stop doing for everybody else and do for myself what I know I need. And I spent years not doing that. And when I discuss it with my husband and I'm like, is it okay that I'm spending this money on a personal trainer? He's like, yes, please (laughs) continue to spend the money. It's cheaper than therapy bills. It's cheaper than the medical bills when you get hurt Mm -hmm. because you're not taking care of your body take the time for you, spend the money on you and be true to you and what makes you happy and whole. Because if you're not happy and whole, you can't take care of everybody else you love. So that's my piece to leave um, with today.
2: And uh,
0: Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you to your husband. Thank you to your children. Thank you for everyone who has played a role in your recovery and your process and your experience because because of that you are here today and i speak for everyone in saying that is something i am eternally grateful for and yes that message of take that time and yes you know this proactive idea might you know is cheaper than therapy and more important that investment you are worth it you are worth it because what you have done in a single hour, spending time and sharing of your gifts and your experience is is priceless of what you've brought here today. So I ask you and everyone who is listening, please continue to invest in yourself in time, energy, resources in every way, because we want you here as long as we can possibly have you to continue doing what you're doing. (laughs) Um, Stephanie, with my whole heart, I thank you for everything it is that you've done, the sharing of your gifts, your time, and your experience, and for bringing everything that you have into my life and the lives of everyone who is listening. Um, I would like to invite everyone to join me in our experience uh once again providing invitations i would like to express that we cannot continue to bring coming back to life to you without your help and support there are several ways and opportunities in which you can do this one is to click the link found in the description in the show notes to become a supporter uh there is also the coming back to life Um, Supporter subscription where twice a month I will continue delivering in the messages and um, delivering. um, Every two weeks intuitive guidance messages to take your journey even further and the last is the rising together women's community where we have brought together an incredible group of soul sisters and women to find this unity and community to rise up to find our inner strength our power to bring out the light and the greatness and to um, uplift each other to the levels to living this life of everything that we are meant to be. Um, I also ask everyone to please Follow um, Stephanie and her organization, StridesForSurvivor.org. You can find her on Instagram, Facebook, Survivors, um, as well as her book, uh, her daughter's book, Mommy Has Cancer, but She's Still My Mommy. And the link will be found for that in the show notes below. Uh, Please continue to support her work as well and everything we can do to support all those who are working through this experience. Stephanie, thank you again for everything it is that you are doing and being in this world. I wish all of you endless light, love, health, happiness, and joy in every area of your life. Be close with your family, love your children, take in every hug for every moment and every experience that they have. And I look forward to joining you for our next guest and our next episode. And until then, take care. Great blessings. Bye-bye.